welcome back to grit welcome uh, welcome episode <laughs> episode 10 uh ben and i have been in the basement for about five hours now drinking coffee mm-hmm. so i'm a little bit giggly and uh ben is not so no. this should make for <laughs> no. for a good one so today it's ben and i and we are going to uh kind of touch briefly on our last episode um but incorporate something that we haven't really talked about uh, we're kind of diverging off of that pathway that we um, we're talking about previously for the last nine episodes where we kind of discuss our issues and, and, and stuff like that. And we're, we're projecting more of um, beyond those issues and kind of want to talk a little bit about hope, especially in today's times with the, um, with the, I just caught myself breathing again. And it's like right there, you know, like super chunky. It is chunky, like <laughs> Campbell's soup. Um, but almost like he's gasping for his last breath of air. Like COVID. Hey, before we get into it, though, like we, you know, speaking of COVID, uh, we the last podcast that we published, you know, I was talking about how you have this like tube top for a mask or whatever. But I also have to bring up today, like he was out in public. And uh, so now he's resorted to a sequins covered mask it's blue and it's sparkly and it still barely fits his face because his face is really gigantic it's but the, it's i have to beard. point that out i have to point it out i'm sorry i have to call it out because it's like oh fine you're gonna make fun of my tube top here's this <laughs> yes but my wife is a hairdresser so she gets these Fresca. like oh my god I can't. Uh. Anyway, so uh, my wife is a hairdresser and she orders these masks that um, are shiny and, you know, there's like blue, oh, there's yeah. green. Yeah, it's your wife's fault. It is. And, oh. and, and really, honestly, that mask is the only one that fits my face. No, it doesn't. Two. Well, it I mean, doesn't. compared to other masks, you nope. should see me with a medical mask. No. Okay, so you were wearing Micah's mask the other day and it just covered your nose. We had this conversation. Not even your nose, just a nostril. But the, the uh, yeah, but the medical mask when I wear those, like the ones for adults, uh-huh. it looks like a, a hamburger right. wrapper that's <laughs> blowing in the breeze that's stuck onto like a, a telephone pole. Like it's just <laughs> like on my face. That's why I'm shaving like, my beard today. Looks like a used diaper. It, it does. I just kind of got away from the dump. Like, and so uh, there I sit. So it's either wear a tube top that you'd see on a twelve-year-old girl, or <laughs> get a mask that sh- at least covers the essentials. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, the essentials. <laughs> well, and, and I think too, like I've looked everywhere for a mask that fits my masculine, chiseled, and somewhat sensational face. Oh my god! And it, it there's just nothing there. I have the oh jaw. I have the jaw of a Greek god. Oh, here we go. I have, I have the beard You're of an a, Adonis. I, I'm oh. like the Dionysus Adonis. Oh, like, oh my god! With my fat ass sitting on the chair eating grapes. <laughs> but I'm a god. So there's yeah, that. Still a god. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just call me the fat nephilim. Um, <laughs> but with a big ass jaw. Exactly. So going back to uh, the the what we were talking about, it's kind of. You know, uh, I heard from a friend of mine who listened to the last podcast and they were like, you know, it, you, you guys did a good job downplaying uh, what's going on. But uh, we're, you know, like talk about the hope, like where's the hope in God? And uh, there, there's a lot there's a lot of hope to have in God. But it's one of those things that you have to you have to take what's going on in the world with a grain of salt. And that's easier said than done. Because, you know, we got the elections coming up. We don't know who's going to win. Either way, I'm getting off social media. Whoever wins, I don't care. 
because it seems like it's like a tit for tat. Like uh, if Trump wins, you're going to see all the trumpets come out and then if Biden wins, it's like, we're going to do this. this." And it's just like, well, do you remember? I mean, you remember how bad it was when when Hillary and, and Trump, you know, like when that whole thing happened and Trump ends up winning and, and uh, social media was an absolute mess. Oh yeah. Like it was, it was terrible. And, and you're like, Whoa, I guess I never knew you felt that way. <laughs> like your neighbors. You're like, Oh, uh, yeah, aren't you guys like geez. deacons? And it's a good thing. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, the purge? Yeah. It's a good thing. Like none of that happens right now because I mean, you, you never know. Like these, <laughs> these people are ruthless. Like what? Uh, Steve, what are you? <laughs> What are you talking about? You're you're gonna leave the country? Nope, he's still here. Yeah, you're in my prayer group. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Just like absolute animosity and hate. Like you find out your your car was egged, you know, by your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck Trump. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, no, okay. wait a minute. I, I don't. It doesn't matter. I mean, who you vote for doesn't determine your character, but no. somehow it's become that. Yeah, that's really sad. Where it's like, well, Trump's a racist, and so now you're a racist, or you know, Biden's a communist, and so now you're a communist. It's like, oh god. So yeah, I thought maybe you'd take a step back from social media before uh, the election because you can't watch a video, you can't scroll your Facebook without seeing. Hey, have you registered to vote yet? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like your gun rights? Yeah. Because they're being taken away, and it's oh like, my well. Gosh. well yeah, no, it's um. so like where I sit, you know, I, I look at like the economy and I, you know, I, I pay attention to other things. Um, and I, I guess I don't really the reason why I take things with a grain of salt going into this whole situation is because I have a promise of something greater. And that's something that I want to talk to you all about today. Something maybe you can pull some hope from as we enter the election season, as we enter um, other things like the pandemic and, and, you know, and, and the constant bickering and, and, you know, the right, you know, things are on the rise and oh my God, Rome's burning. And it's like, well, you really don't have nothing to be afraid of. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And the other thing I want to touch on too today is, um, you know, uh, when I talk to people who have an issue with uh, Christianity, they, they can't leverage um, the difference between love when God says, love me, they take it as love me or else you're going to die. And, um, we're going to talk about love that dichotomy between love me or you're going to die versus love me because you're dying. I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about my spiritual mentor and what he had to say about that. Um, and then, um, I'm going to punch Ben in the balls. So it'll be a good episode. (laughs) Too late (laughs) to apologize. Uh, I hope we never get to that part of the episode. (laughs) Uh, also, we're going to talk about um, Miami's victory over San Francisco. Uh, I don't know if you guys I left my heart <laughs> in San Francisco, and the Dolphins left an L for the San Francisco, or for the in San Francisco oh, okay. for San Francisco, and it, it was glorious. Um, you know, uh, as we enter NFL season, Ben and I are really big NFL fans, and. Um, yeah, I go don't Chiefs. Yeah, go Dolphins. And I really oh. don't care about the kneeling, not kneeling, black national anthem, national anthem, and none of that stuff matters to me. Uh, if you have a platform and you want to use it for whatever you want to use it for, that's fine. There are uh, there are uh, fifty three uh, men on a roster made up of men and women who are coaches. You got practice squads. You got entire organizations and entire cities who pull their happiness and things off of how well that team does not just their happiness i mean but we're talking about a city's economy too right exactly (laughs) so 
if guys want to use their their uh, platform to promote some sort of social justice, whether you agree or disagree with it, and I don't understand how you wouldn't agree with what they're what they're um, protesting, but it really doesn't matter if if you're that mad about the actions of a few people using their platform to promote what they feel is good. And you don't want to watch the NFL? That's great, but you don't need to go on social media and tell like virtue signal. Yeah, right. It's, hey, I'm not watching exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like he lists like 38 different you know grievances, and it's like, well, okay. So why did you have to tell me that? Just don't watch it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like when I mean, I respect your your decision. That's that's fine. I'm gonna go ahead and watch it because I enjoy watching Chiefs football, except when they lose to the Raiders. Oh man! And I felt bad for you. Like of all the teams to lose to, I know the right? Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, 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 no. The Raiders. No. Not no. because the Chiefs lost, but because Raider fans are obnoxious. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I think for the most part, in whole ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what we did to the Chiefs. We could have won the Super Bowl last yeah. year. It's like you didn't. Yeah, we dismantled the chiefs during this game last week so we could have dismantled them in the super bowl yeah well you wouldn't have played us in the super bowl because that's not how it works right and uh i love when they say and guys you, you know, I, I went on to the i shouldn't have done this but i went on to the Las you Vegas went on raiders. to the raiders page didn't oh, well, you? that's your first mistake i know because i'm a dolphins fan i don't love any other team but i do respect the chiefs i mean they're a team that if they did go on like if there was a team to beat the dolphins undefeated record it'd be patrick mahomes and the chiefs like it, i it would have been right but i mean i correct. have the, I have the utmost respect for that organization and how they handle player issues. Like they just cut them, you know, like the Patriots are like the recycling bin of the NFL and the, and the chiefs are kind of like the, the precedent. You're right. But thanks man. Well, I mean, I've always, I've told you that before, uh, Andy Reed, I mean, your organization top down. So they didn't waste any time with Kareem hunt. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah. And it's funny how he has little success now, but, yeah. um, it, so anyway, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, I went onto their, uh, Facebook page and I immediately started reading some of the comments. And of course, all of them are like, yeah, you know, this is how we should be. And we're great. And we're trending up and we're the best. And, um, car for MVP. And right. And one of the things that was said on there was remember guy. And it had like a thousand likes. It was like, remember guys, we did this in Arrowhead. No. Oh. And I wrote on there and I'm like, oh and I'm like, as a Arrowhead Dolphins fan with 20% capacity, that's what I said. I was like, as a Dolphins fan, I want to tell you that means uh, a home home field advantage means nothing right now. Well, it does. If you're a Los Angeles charger, because you actually get more sound noise with having no, no oh. fans there. <laughs> that's right. That's... Cause they, they, they put it at like 70 decibels. The Los Angeles chargers have never played at home uh, while in Los Angeles with that kind of noise uh, volume yeah. helping their their uh, defense out. there's It's never been that loud before. In Qualcomm, it was different. Like when they were back in San Diego, that was fine. Like they had a loyal fan base. But as soon as they moved to Los Angeles, they pissed everybody off. And they're like, no, we're not going to show up. And I don't know if you know this, but, you know, obviously them being in the division, we see them twice a year, always a home game there. Uh, there are more opposing teams fans at their stadium than there are the chargers when they have fans of course and this year so they get the benefit of the doubt because they have this artificial noise sound playing in at 70 decibels and uh you know teams don't know what to do yeah right <laughs> like wait a minute <laughs> hey this isn't normal <laughs> well you don't and, and you know give the chargers props i mean they're building a team you know the right way kind of like the way the chiefs did uh and the broncos for that matter 
and, and you know, my, my, uh, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, they're all big Raider fans. Uh, my other brother-in-law, he's a Raiders fan and they don't really fit that mold because when I talk to them about the chiefs, when they beat the Chiefs, the first thing they say is, yeah, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like that's uh-huh. our one, like they understand what it is versus having a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Gotcha. But, but I go on to this and I write as a Dolphins fan, home field man home field advantage means nothing like yeah oh yeah you know and so like yeah you beat him in arrowhead but you you beat him in front of like 16 fans whereas you know if this would have been a regular season game and don't forget guys right and and arrowhead was you know the loudest outdoor stadium in nfl and they're you know they're at capacity just screaming their ears off when you're in the huddle Derek carr is not going to have the same kind of success that's different yeah for sure i could show a clip of when you know arrowhead was fully rocking i think we actually set the uh, the record that that uh, that game uh, for loudest uh, out outdoor stadium, and uh, there was a clip um, because and Derek Carr was still the quarterback. There was a clip where they were third and forty five because <laughs> they kept jumping. Yeah, they kept jumping off sides. They couldn't hear snap counts. They they kept committing penalties, and they were third and forty five. Oh, so that that's what a full capacity stadium does, and especially Arrowhead. You know, like to the Raiders. But, you know, like to say, don't forget, guys, we did this at Arrowhead. You know, like the weather was perfect. It's not like it was super windy or cold or anything like that. And there literally was 17,000 fans out of a a, a potential 75,000 at a full capacity stadium. Yep. So, I mean, that's I hear that. And it's like that just perpetuates exactly what I think about the Raiders fans. It's just like that's not very smart. (laughs) Yeah, well, and the good news is too. Well, and here's so Miami. So the the governor of Florida, I think it's Rick DeSantis, lifted uh, COVID restrictions, and so stadiums can sell out now. Which means our game this week is is your Raiders game. This is our Jets game. Like Dolphin fans, and if are you gonna wait? So they will have fans this week. They will, but but it won't be. It will. They're they're abiding by the NFL's rules. You were right. The NFL said it makes an unfair advantage. It's like, wait, you're in Miami. Like, yeah, the advantage is already there. But I knew they were going to do that. And I think it's crap too that they didn't switch the make it a Jets game in in you know the Meadowlands. Uh, I think it'd only be fair. We don't have to go into New York in in, in December anyway. So this week it's uh, we're going to have. I think they're doing fifty percent capacity. Oh, fifty percent. So, That's decent. Yeah, though. so they're going to have about forty two thousand fans there, and so we're hoping for a dolphin victory so we can get to five hundred for the first time in three years. Well, well, well. <laughs> Season over. It's the little things. <laughs> well, you know, you have Pat Mahomes in a Super Bowl. I I look forward to five hundred. You know. Beating the Niners was unexpected, and uh, uh, hopefully we can uh, plow through the AFC West and get some wins there and then plow through the uh, NFC West, although we did lose to the Seahawks by four. So um, Miami's well on its way, and, and we're doing it the right way, so I'm happy for the future. Yeah. Um, but ju- but just I had to bring up the Chiefs-Raiders game because um, I, was, I was astonished at how uh, the Raider fans are like – we beat the chiefs. Oh my God. And we did it in arrowhead. It's like, yeah, props to you for beating the chiefs. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was a good game. But, they, they, they played really well. Our defense was terrible. They capitalized on it. Yeah. But, to, but, know? but, but to make it better, 
or try, like try to savor your victory more and try to rub. Like, do you realize Don't you're forget you're pissing off the best quarterback in the NFL right now by saying we whooped you in your home? Yeah. When he shows up in Las Vegas, Raider fans, yeah, get ready. Yeah, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> it's gonna it be could good. be a six touchdown game easily. It could be. Not. I, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Especially with their defense, because I mean they give up a lot of points. I mean, you know, people forget. Okay, yeah, you guys beat us, but you still gave up 32 points. And I mean, you know, that's that's a lot to give up. I guarantee you it's going to be more than that next time because they're coming for revenge. Oh, yeah. Know? They're coming for vindication. And I think it's important that you mention, you know, like you're talking about football. We're talking about football a little bit or whatever. But there's a lot of underlying um, there's a lot of underlying implication to that. Josh was talking about hope. You know, and really when all of this started back in March, uh, mainly started in March, everything started to close uh, mid-March or or at the beginning of March, um, you know, COVID obviously started, you know, like rearing its ugly head in the United States towards the end of January and even in February just a little bit, but it was still, you know, like not not a household name, you right. know, you, like you didn't see it everywhere or a reminder of it everywhere. But back in March, then everything started getting shut down. March Madness, which obviously uh, I know I look forward to. I know a lot of uh, individuals interested in sports, like people that love sports. They look forward to March Madness, people that bet on it, people that place their brackets, even people that aren't interested in sports go after March Madness. Well, then March Madness is down. Obviously, basketball was postponed, you know, like all of these strange things, you know, that never happened before in recent history. Um, things are getting closed. People are losing jobs. And the thing is, the the whole summer, you know, you're waiting and waiting for this thing to be over. And then it's like then the question is, well, is are we even going to have a football season? Is football going to happen? You know, but there was always that hope there that there would be a football season then when it actually took place then when it actually happened there was some sense even though it's completely crazy and completely chaotic right now with football being back like in the fall there was some sense of normalcy you know what i mean like mm -hmm. some sense of semblance of what it used to be and it's not even close like it's it's not even close but there's a smidge of hope that it could still be that way at some point or another right and and even though this is like you know like we're we're talking about football i'm not talking about it in the spiritual sense but but even though there's just that little glimmer of hope you know it's something that allows somebody somewhere to put one foot in front of the other and keep going right you know, so, I mean, again, like, you know, back to, you know, just even talking about hope and, and, and what it does and what it's capable of doing, it doesn't require much. No. It doesn't require much hope. Like, just knowing that you have something to look forward to at the end of the day keeps you going until the end of the day. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, I want to play the devil's advocate, you know, like, as we're pushing into, like, what we're talking about. And I want to ask you a question about this. Like when it comes to hope, though, you know, when when an individual passes away, when a, when a loved one or family member passes away, you know, inevitably you always have somebody say, you know, well, they're, you know, they're in heaven now with 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 Christ. You know, they see them now, you know, and everything else. Or when somebody's dying, you know, the you know, the things that are said, you know, like you know, going on to a better place and everything else. 
Do you think that sometimes that that's said, though, just as a crutch, like just to help us feel better about death, you know, the, the death of our loved ones and family members? Like, do you think that that's like, well, yeah, that's easy to say because you have no idea what the afterlife is like. You have no idea what's going to happen after we die. But, you, you know, a lot of times when when things like that happen and, and, and people are going through some really hard times because they lost a loved one, family or friend, you know, they don't know what to say. And so they're like, well, that's the easiest solution because I, none of us have no idea what's going to happen, but it's the easiest to say to comfort somebody because it's like, you know, it, it, it makes them feel better. So, I mean, do you think though that, that sometimes that's used, you know, just as a, as a crutch, like just as an excuse to say something nice because, you know, like considering the event or considering the circumstance, you certainly don't want to say anything, you know, real, realistic. Like what I mean is, you know, like instead of saying, you know, we know that he's in heaven now or whatever, you know, if you were absolutely realistic and say, you know, I have no idea, depending on what he believed, I have no idea what he believed. I have no idea where his heart was, but I'm really sorry for you, for your, your friends and your family. And my thoughts and prayers are with you, you know, like, I mean, tots and prayers. Yeah, tots. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, do you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so like a lot of times though, I think with that, I, Personally, I think that it's a crutch. What do you think about that? I, I, I think it both ways. Um, if I see, if I know someone, and like this is a situation where personally, if I knew someone who was a believer, and also too, uh, before I get into this explanation, full disclaimer, I have a very different view of heaven and hell than most Christians. Um, I firmly believe that the hell that we understand today was created by the Catholic church and the real hell is described in the Bible as a place absent of God. And I think that the burning pit and fire is for the one third of heaven that fell. I don't think souls go there anyway. Okay. So wait, so, so what's described as Gehenna in, in scripture you're saying is for the one third of angels. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there, some souls will find their way there, but I, um, I firmly believe that um, when we talk about eternity and God's love and God's mercy outside of the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, uh, you're looking at uh, souls who, and, and, and people explain this could be, you know, explain this as ghosts, but it all circles around earth, right? Um, um, God, Neil deGrasse Tyson calls it the multiverse. Um, multi? Right. Some some uh, amazing Christian um, astrophysicists uh, will actually describe it as the plane between heaven and hell um, and what, what Catholics call purgatory, um, which I believe purgatory, uh, it, it's not, that's not what it is, but purgatory is the, is the description of what, where a soul goes when it doesn't believe. Stranger Things calls it the upside down. The upside down. <laughs> you walking into a quickie mart upside down. Uh, but when people say that at a funeral, Ben, because a lot of people said that to me without really knowing my dad when my dad died, um, it is, it's a crutch. It's a way, it's, it, no matter how much somebody loves you, it's still awkward to um, comfort them. Like when, when my father-in-law passed away, Jack, back in 2016, um, you know, I loved him. Uh, he loved me and it was my wife's father. But even though I was, I'm part of the family and I knew him and I knew his heart and I knew all that, um, I was still uncomfortable. And so I would say tender mercies like he's in heaven, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I do believe in my heart of hearts he's in heaven, but do I 100% know with pure conviction? Absolutely not, because I'm not God. 
Right. Uh, and I don't make that. And I don't make that determination. Don't make that determination or judgment. Right. right. Exactly. But God does have a way of giving loved ones um, uh, ways to acknowledge their pain and to give them a sort of peace to a let them know peace. where they are. Mm-hmm. You just have to ask for it. And if you don't ask for it, then you're 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 not putting your head on the heart of Christ. You're you're relying on yourself to get through something terrible. So. Yes, I do. Like when I, okay, here's another example. When my grandmother died, um, and, um, back in 2015, mm-hmm. yeah, 2015, my, I had to go to uh, Janice in Michigan. My grandmother was a woman of God. There's no, there's no, um, no, I, I had no doubts, uh, that she went to heaven. Um, that's old school Christianity though. And, uh, she, uh, in the other room was a biker, uh, a biker had died and, they were playing rock music and they were cursing and getting drunk in the other room. And they had a, like a pentagram flag. Uh, it was the, it was, yeah, it was their, um, motorcycle club symbol, if you will. And they're like, there's pictures of the guy like days before his death. Cause I walked by there and took a look and, uh, there were people out there smoking outside and I, they were, I could hear them saying, I can't believe that picture was taken a few days ago. And so I'd go back in there and you had to walk by their room to get to grandma's. And, uh, on there, he's like, uh, peeing on a cross, you know, things like that. And they're all, they're all drinking Bud Light next to the open casket and they're in the viewing and they're like this, you know, excuse my language, grid audience, but they're like, this fucking guy's rocking with God in Valhalla. Yeah. Woo. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. And it's like, um, and, 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 I, and again, I'm not one to judge. Wee! Yeah. And I'm not one to judge to be like, well, he's not <laughs> what I wanted to ask him was, well, what did he believe? Because you're you're trying to make yourself feel better about a man's death, but you don't even know, um, you know, like like Paul says in in Romans, you know, those who are, live by faith will be judged by faith, and those who uh, do not know will be judged by law. And it's uh, you know, if he didn't know Christ, what did he do? Um, according to law, and of course we know God's law; it, it's structured by ten simple rules, and so I. I do believe that that group of people didn't know where that man went, but they convinced themselves he went to heaven because they can't live with the idea that either he's just worm food in purgatory or in hell. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying they don't know. So they make themselves feel better by saying he's rocking with God and Valhalla partying in heaven. It's like, well, then you look back at the martyrs. You look back at the the true men and women of faith, not the ones who live by religion and judgment, but the ones who put their lives on the line for God and for others, you know, laying down their life in the ultimate sacrifice. And you look at them and you look at how they live their lives and you honestly believe that um, whether they've been, you know, we talked about that Christian for nine minutes or 90 years, they're with the people who made that made that distinction in their life. This man did not, according to their the witnesses of their own people. I don't know the man's heart in the final moment, so maybe he did. I'm just saying by what I knew, I'm not believing for a second that my grandmother and this guy are at the are in heaven together. So to me, it's like, absolutely, you don't even have to play devil's advocate. I 100% believe that that's true. People mm-hmm. will say that to make the other person feel better because they don't know. But then you got people like my grandmother who died, and we all knew where she went. I mean, that was... That woman prayed and hell shook. You know, it was that was the kind of Christian she was. So, yeah, I, I mean, I get that though. Is is false hope though still efficient? Like, yeah. I mean, do you think that it still pushes 
pushes forward at some point or is the is the fall from false hope greater like once you find oh well maybe that wasn't the case you know like if you tell it long enough you'll start to believe it and there never will be a fall until the day you die um yeah and then it's too late exactly but as far as having false hope you know having false hope is uh will still get you through uh just like lying will get you through at some point um but so where does the genuine hope come from you know what I mean? Like, how do how do we say, OK, instead of saying, you know, like instead of going through the motions or like you said, instead of like, you know, loving God or else, you know, like, well, where's the transition? Like, where do we where do we change from, you know, like that fear of hell, you know, like mm-hmm. and that's the reason why we love God as opposed to, you know, like um, because we're we're dying, you know. Ooh, I get to talk about that. I was hoping for that. So, oh, ooh, goody. So let me let me ask you this, and grid audience, if you want to respond to this on a social media post, I'm going to offer you a question. If you're locked in a house burning, are you and you're saved by a fireman? Are you more happy? And it's not a one. It's not a both. It has to be one or the other. Do you think that you would be more uh, excited that you're not going to burn to death? Or are you going to be more? A, more uh, appreciative of the firefighter in that moment that you're being pulled out by a firefighter is your mindset on, thank God I'm not burning alive. Or are you saying, thank you. I'm so happy that this firefighter saved me in time before I got burned alive. And how you answer that question will determine how you view this next uh, story. And I don't mean to talk so much, Ben, but I, my, my spiritual mentor, uh, pastor Wiley, uh, I once asked him because I, I couldn't make sense of, um, the idea of God saying, love me or die. Um, and that's how religion and, and modern church puts it. And even ancient church, I mean, all the way back, it was you have to love God or else you're going to die. And it kind of makes love forced, right? It makes you think, well, I don't want to love a guy who's making me love him and then, you know, m- making me suffer the ultimate punishment if I don't. <coughs> COVID. COVID. <coughs> Swallowed some chew. Yeah, right. um, so here is what Pastor Wiley said when I asked him that question. Pastor Wiley said, and again, audience, uh, visualize this with me. Picture all of mankind as as a as a as a family in a house that they decided to burn on or to light on fire. So now this family sitting in a house that's on fire that they started, and they are refusing to come out. And there's a man on the street. That sounds like arson. Yeah, it does. Uh, and uh, uh, attempted homicide. Um, but then there's the man on the street, and that man built the street, built the house, built everything for that family. And the man on the street sees the house on fire. And so he's yelling at the house, come out, you're going to burn, you're burning, come out, come to me and you'll be saved, you won't burn. And that family refuses to listen. Some of them might want to, but they're not going to because they don't want to leave because the house is warm, the house is safe, and the flames haven't got there yet. So then that man on the side of the street decides to send his son in to go save that family. And that son walks through the flames and puts out the flames as he walks through and gets to the family. By the time he gets to the family, he's consumed by fire. But the path that he left behind him is free of fire. It's free of embers. It's a safe way to get out of the house. All of a sudden, that son resurrects from the ashes and says to the family, it's okay now. I've laid my life down. I I made a way out of this house. Follow me. Come on, you're burning. You're going to die in this house that you started on fire. Let's go. And some of the family decides to stay. Some of the family decides to go. And so the son is walking each person out by hand, getting him out of the fire. But every time he goes back, there's more people who do not want to follow him out of the fire. 
Eventually, the house was consumed, and then those who decided to follow the sun to the man on the street is alive, and they're free of flames, they're free of fire, and the ones who decided to stay in the house, they've burned. They're fireproof. <laughs> Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Don't get left behind. <laughs> but that, that analogy was something that had been um, told to me as a way to understand God's love. God built us the road. God built us the house. God gave us the tools to to live within this home, and we chose to burn it down. That doesn't mean that every you know that uh, God uh, has said, "Here you go, good luck." It's more of a you chose to live in this house. You chose to do it your way, and so I'm going to let you do it your way. And our way was to burn it down. God is not telling you. If you don't love me, I'm not going to save you. He already gave us a way out of the house and he's begging us to follow him. That's the difference between a God that loves us and the God that's demanding love. And it's, well, it's, it's about free will. Exactly. It's your choice in the house, whether you're going to follow his son or you're going to stay in there and burn. And that's but exactly he, but right. But he's also going to provide, he's also going to provide all of the tools and equipment necessary in order for you to choose him. Right. You know, it's like, okay, like, um, you know. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but here's all of these, you know, like I will pave the way for you to know that I am real and know that I love you. Um, And so if you want to, you can love me back. I would really like that. I would really appreciate it, but I'm not demanding it. Right. And and, and no point or another, I don't believe that God says love me or else, Mm -hmm. but there's, but there's also a a implication there because he doesn't need to say it like loving me is the right choice, but you still have the choice to make. And I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you to choose loving me over, you know, not loving me, but you know, it is, I'm going to leave it there for you. So the burning house is there, but the way out of it is completely paved, but you still have to choose the way out. I'm not going to carry you out. That's right. I could. He could. He very well could. He could say, "No, no, no. That's that's it. You're you're following me. I'm taking you all with me uh, to heaven." You know, like mm-hmm. he could do that. But the choice is there, and the reason for the choice is because you know, like, hey, if if the love if if love is out there for for the taking, and you choose not to, you willingly turn your back. Then you know that's that's your choice and it's not suffering the consequences it's accepting the responsibility of your choice right it's it's the same thing in life though today though right i mean i think a lot of people have a hard time accepting the responsibility of their choices oh absolutely dude that's exactly <laughs> what we want to blame other people so like you know if we die and and we go to hell wherever wherever hell is if it's the upside down or if it's some other interdimensional you know i can see it right now God, you did this. Right. Blame it on somebody else. No, 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 no. You had the choice. You made the choice. Accept the responsibility of your choices. Right. Like that's, you, you be held accountable. Right. Whether that's in life or in death. Um, you know, uh, the, the concept of omniism is uh, something that I've studied in depth as well, where, you know, people can't leverage the idea of, when you say studied in depth, do you mean like you did a few Google searches? Yes, a Google searches and, and like, uh, picked the you, first three. You found like a, a hearty <laughs> Facebook meme. It's a, <laughs> written by, you know, some guy in his mom's basement. George Washington. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, no, uh, but omniism is the idea that God had shown himself to everybody 
and the differences between faiths is the separation between cultures. So, for example, um, Hindus, they have millions of gods, which they may view as angels, but they have one God that rules above all, and that's God the Father. Or, um, you know, you could you could pick any religion. Um, and God had showed himself to those people, and culturally, that's how they interpreted him. And so as long as they live by, as Paul said, live by the law, that they will be accepted into heaven. Jesus offers a different way for us to live, and it, it, it is in that way that we have found hope. The reason why I don't freak out about the pandemic, the reason why I don't freak out about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, the reason why I don't care if Trump or Biden wins because the everything has already been written. It's everything's foretold. I go into this life completely carefree about all this stuff because my hope comes from Christ. Now, if you live by law and not by faith, then living by law does not give you hope. Okay. Living by law just gives you structure. Structure is not hope. Structure just gives you a definitive purpose day by day. Not even a purpose though. Because you're told, you're told, like, I mean, law is what you're told to do, how you're told to live your life. So it's not necessarily purpose that the law gives you. Right. Well, I mean, it gives you structure. I guess I should, because you're right. It ends at structure. It just makes it so that you can get through the day by living by a set of rules uh, that God or, you know, as God has shown you culturally has shown you. But like Paul says, when he separates, when you live by faith, there's something greater there. There's a gift that's given to you. And that's hope. That's something that gets you on to tomorrow. When a person's given a diagnosis of stage five, stage four cancer, and their prognosis isn't good, what gets them through the day if they live by faith is the fact that God's there for them. It doesn't mean that you, you know, and again, people think that when you say God's there for you, why doesn't he heal you? Because the amount of time we spend on this earth on the continuum of eternity is but a millisecond. It's but a blip, right? So when you life given life on earth is, is not a gift, it's a trial. So when you're given a diagnosis, it sucks to leave your loved ones. When my dad was designated terminal, and then he found God, it was no longer about getting more life on earth. It was about starting his new life with Christ. And he died only a Christian for a couple of weeks, but he died with that hope that this isn't it, that there's more to this life. And it's the same when you uh, address COVID, when you address the elections, when you address all of this. All of this has been foretold. It's already written. We just have to live through the map that has been set before us to get us through these situations. You get COVID, you get cancer, uh, I get cancer, my kids, it's all going to suck. And it's not going to be happy. It's not going to be a happy time because we live in a human emotion. We are living within human emotions is what I'm trying to say. Hope is something that is outside of a human emotion. Hope is, is, is external. And when we, when we absorb what's external, given to us by God, it consumes both our external and internal soul, but it comes from God versus trying to find hope in something. When you try to find hope in something, you make like, like we had just said that, uh, when we talked about when, when somebody dies and you tell them, well, they're in a better place, you're trying to pull hope from something that's not coming from God. And so it never internalizes. So you sit there and you wonder, is he really in heaven? Did he live a good life? Am I living a good life? And then that is the fall that I think you're referring to, the fall from false hope, because then when it all comes crashing down, then you don't really know. Mm -hmm. Hope is something that's given to us in, uh, as a reward for our faith. We believe in something. We believe in Christ. We live our lives like Christ. What is What the uncertain is replaced with is unequivocal hope. 
without equal. There is no equal to the hope that we get from God. And that is the, that's the separation between the false hope of, well, they're in a better place without really knowing and knowing, yes, I know he's in a better place because of the choice that he made to follow the son out of the burning house. Right. Uh, to, to bring back to, you were talking about like stage five cancer and the amount of, you know, like pain and, and suffering. Um, the other thing is too, I mean, you know, as far as coming down and miraculously healing someone uh, in such a small and finite phase of their life, you know, when you consider eternity, the other thing that, that, that I would contend is that, like, you don't truly experience paradise without having to experience pain. Right. There has to be a contrast. Like, if you don't, if you never have pain, uh, your your life uh, throughout your entire life, I mean, you're 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 truly blessed. But at the same time, when you do get to to paradise, when you do get to heaven, and the the earthly um, experiences that that dealt pain, if you truly never experienced pain, then paradise would be indifferent. It would be like, well, I I'm here. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh, I'm here, so I, I guess it's good. You know, you wouldn't really know because you don't have the contrast. Right. It you can't truly feel paradise. You can't truly feel like that kind of peace without going through pain, without going through struggles, because there without that contrast, paradise is just another day. Right. You know, it really is. It's like, well, here I am. You know, I guess I made it. But to have the pain to reference to what paradise really is, to have sadness to reference with happiness, like the, you know, like because happiness without sadness is, again, it's just indifferent. It's just blah. So, you know, I think that's part of it, too, like where where God doesn't come down. And of course, God's omnipotent. He has the ability to come down and heal anybody he wants to. I mean, he he controls the universe, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's built the constructs of the entire universe. Uh, and, you know, like science buffs. Yeah. Science was created by God. Yeah. The, the, the science behind our, our, um, behind earth, behind our universe, uh, was manufactured, was constructed by God and intelligently designed by him. Yeah, not, not, oh, oh, I didn't know weather would do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, hurricanes. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Everything, Ben, you hit it on the head and the scripture talks about this in depth. I would challenge anybody to look it up. Um, when it talks about the rich shall be poor and the poor shall be rich in heaven, it is easier to, to thread a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. There's a reason why that's said, because when we are in heaven, when we are living in the robes of righteousness, those who have went through and experienced pain and suffering and guilt and shame and torment and bullying and cancer and, and, and judgment and all the stuff that leads up to that we go through in life that leads us to the very end. When we do enter heaven, we see it more, more than just a relief, but it's a relief. Nonetheless, it's an eternal relief. It's that moment that you've ran a 27 mile marathon and you finally cross the finish line. When did you do that? Never. No, come (laughs) on, look at me. But I mean, that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's a, it's an eternal comfort. So now you, you, you put that perspective back into what we're going through today. COVID, 
uh, elections, uh, you know, if you, you know, think of the, whether it's abortion or anything that you, you find to be an issue that hurts your soul. It's a, it's another test, but not a test in a way that you think it's not God saying, okay, what are you going to do now? It's a test that mankind has put in front of you and God's already given you the, the, the code to get through it. You just got to get through it. And whether you get through it with little to no pain or lots of pain is det- is determined by how much you put into it. Um, nobody, no real, no true follower of Christ is going to skate through life comfortable. That's not the point of, of living this life. You know, if you're a very rich man like Kenneth Copeland and you're, and you have hundreds of millions of dollars and you're flying around on a private jet, demons in a tube, demons in a tube. You're not, you're, you don't know what it's like to suffer, bud. You can pretend like you do or talk about your upbringing with Oral Roberts, but you cannot truly understand what it's like for a mother with COVID to hold the hand of their stage four uh, stricken child through a plexiglass wall and a rubber glove, knowing that that child's not going to live through the night and wondering if you're even going to live through the night for your other kids and to sit there in your $30 million, you know, mansion and say, I know what it's like to suffer because I promise you that that mother, if their faith is in God, they're going to see their children again healthy, and they're going to understand what real paradise is. Yep. People, people who live like kings on earth do not will not understand paradise in heaven. It's been said scripturally several times, especially by Big JC himself. So that that's why when we talk about Kenneth Copeland and those guys, I call them. I I, I don't want to call them this, but I, I feel like it's heresy, and they don't really believe in what they're saying because They'll if they theirs. did, those million exactly those millions would be given back. They'll get theirs because think about it this way. Like if you had the option, hey, so you're going to suffer uh, miserably. You you can choose. To, would you rather? We'll play the game. Would you rather? Would you rather suffer miserably, miserably for 60 years of your life, maybe even 80 if you're lucky. I hope to live till I'm 80, but suffer for 80 years of your life. And then for the next 800 years, experience pure joy and paradise or would you rather experience pure joy and paradise for 60 years and then experience just indifference for the next 800? Oh, the option A. Option A, right, 100%. So, I mean, hey, man, you got your treasures on earth, Kenneth Copeland. Enjoy them. Yep, because those treasures that are waiting for you in heaven aren't going to be there. No. That I can say with 100% certainty. Well, no, what's going to happen is everybody will experience it, and then he'll just be normal. That's what I'm saying. Like, it won't be demons in a tube. Like, everybody there, are, nobody there is a demon. Right. So he doesn't have to worry about demons in a tube. If 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 $30 million jets exist in heaven, he's not going to be the only one that has them. That's, <laughs> That's what right. I'm saying. And then it's like, well, well why? Why? Yeah, I was the intercessor between you and man. It's like you weren't though, because if you were, God would already have told you. Like Jesse Duplantis but, saying, but, but why? <laughs> Jesse Duplantis saying, now God, are you happy with your jet? Okay, you really think God's gonna come down uh, from the throne and say, hey Jesse, you happy with that jet I got you? Now hold on a minute. God's trying to tell me something. <laughs> You're trying to tell me something, are you, Father? It's like, yeah, give it up. Uh, so I was reading from the book of Amos. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, man. that was, uh, but that, but that's where the hope comes from. You guys is is that's when we talk about hope. That's why I could give a shit less about you know uh, NFL and 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 social justice and riots. I mean, if it gets caught up with me, then it gets caught up with me. 
I, it's, it's one of those things. I don't want my kids hurt. Obviously that's, that's our, that's our human instinct, but on the grand scheme of things, there's, there's something to hope for. Um, I, my advice to you guys, uh, and gals is to take the son's hand and walk out of that burning house and do it quickly. Once you get to the father, when you get to the man on the street, you'll understand because then you can look back on that burning house and understand how it happened and how not to let it happen again. And then to never have to experience something like that. And then it gives you almost not pity, but it almost gives you mercy for those who are still trapped in their house and are still burning and are still uh, refusing, you know, willfully ignorant, you know, staying in their in their cell that that that's, you know, that the world has offered to them. Um and, and know that there's something greater uh, waiting for you uh, on the other side. And once you have that promise, then everything you do on earth has greater meaning. Then, then, it, then it gives you something to strive for. It gives you something to believe, to strive for, and to function in daily. Then when you're dead and people are saying to your loved ones, man, I, he, you know, he's in a better place. They can say it with 100% certainty and true hope that they know that you're waiting for them. And this is grits. 